Hello, Senior Pastor. Good to be with you another week. Um, Morning, so Pastor. many things have happened, but we are here again uh, for another week to share the Word of God um, with the world. So thanks again um, for giving me this opportunity to uh, spearhead this. And uh, we're going to be talking about the making of a nation today, um, actually the, the exodus of the children of Israel from Egypt. Um, and we're going to be looking at how God delivered his people um, in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, um, chapter 12, verses 23 through 31, and uh, finally chapters 50 through 51. And then um, we're going to dabble a little bit in uh, Deuteronomy, uh, how God established his covenant with his people. Um, and we're going to be looking at Exodus 19, verses 1 through 8, and uh, Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 11. And we're going to finally look at uh, Joshua 1, verses 1 through 9, and Joshua 24, verses 1 through 15, um, where it talks about Israel's inheritance, um, how it was affirmed and realized. Um, and, you know, when looking at this particular lesson, um, about the making of a nation, um, we see that God, through Israel, brought Jesus Christ the Savior of the world. Um, so this is just a precursor to what would happen later on in history of how Jesus um, became our Redeemer, um, the sacrifice lamb for our sins. Uh, God promised that the descendants of Abraham and Sarah would be a great nation. And we find that in uh, Genesis 12, verse 2. Now, when the children of Israel moved to Egypt under the leadership of Joseph, they numbered less than 100. And this is, this is a very uh, interesting story. If you actually read um, the end of Genesis into the beginning of Exodus, how um, Joseph had, had allowed uh, the people, the children of Israel, to settle in a particular part of that region. Um, um, but each of Abraham's descendants had the promise of God's blessing. As the centuries progressed, the children of Israel, or the Hebrews, flourished in, in Egypt. And you would actually find that in, in Exodus chapter 1. Uh, it, it talked about that briefly. Eventually, a new Egyptian government gained power, which had no knowledge of Israel's privileged status as the family of Joseph, because basically the, the government was not supposed to touch that particular region. Um, it was promised to Joseph, and Joseph settled his people, and they were supposed to live um, untouched by the government, but when the new uh, government took over, um, they they did not know about the verbal agreement um, between uh, Joseph and and the Pharaoh of that time. The new government enslaved the descendants of Abraham. The Egyptian Pharaoh confined the Israelites to slave labor, building temples dedicated to the gods of Egypt. Even so, God's predestined purpose ensured that he would keep the promise to Abraham and deliver his descendants. Um, one of the things I wanted to do before I turn over to you, Sina Pastor, was 
I wanted to do a character profile on Moses. Moses is one of the um, most prolific uh, characters of the Bible. Uh, many people, if not everybody, knows about Moses and the children of Israel. That story has been told, has been preached about, has been taught uh, in so many different ways, in so many uh, different areas and regions of the world. And I just wanted to kind of recap who he was. Um, and this is based on an article from Christianity.com. Uh, and the author of this article, uh, Daniel Burnock, um, simply asked the question, who was Moses in the Bible? Uh, we know, um, you know, that Moses was a Hebrew. He was born to Jochebed and Amram, both from the tribe of Levi. He was the youngest of three children. Um, his sister's name was Miriam and his brother's name was Aaron. Uh, he was also a special baby. Uh, his mother actually realized that um, from the time he was born. Uh, the Pharaoh was afraid of the Israelite slaves because there were so many of them and ordered all the boy babies to be killed. Moses' Moses's mother protected him. Uh, in Exodus 2, verse 2, it says that she saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. When she couldn't hide him anymore, she made a little boat, placed him in it, and hid, um, hid Moses in the reeds of the banks of the Nile River. He didn't stay there long before uh, Pharaoh's daughter rescued him. Um, being unable to nurse him, she hired a Hebrew woman that turned out to actually be Moses' mother. Um, Moses kept... Uh, Moses being kept from being killed was in the divine will of God. And that's something that we need to draw from this lesson is that everything yes. that God does is well done. And Amen. even though he may take us through certain hardships, uh, it is in his divine will and purpose for our life to go through what we're going through. Of course, there are things that we place upon ourselves by making the wrong choices, making the wrong decisions. And so, therefore, you know, that's on us. But if God is leading our lives, he's not necessarily going to take us to a place of milk and honey as soon as we accept him as Lord and Savior of our life. We are going to go through some things. We are going to go through uh, difficulties. We are going to go through deserts um, because he's taking us through it so that it can build character, so that we can trust him more, whatever the case may be. Um, it is in his divine will. We also find that Moses was raised in royalty. After Moses was weaned, the Pharaoh's uh, daughter raised him in the palace surrounded by all the lives of Egypt. Um, but we also find that Moses was a murderer. Um, some people yeah. don't dwell <laughs> on that, but he was. Uh, he was a murderer. He grew up in the palace, but knew he was a Hebrew. When Moses saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave, the Bible says, looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed, meaning Moses, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And we find that in Exodus 2, verse 12. Not the greatest cover-up, but uh, because the next day, a Hebrew slave, one of his own kin, called him out and he ran away. He fled. Um, we also find that Moses was afraid, and this is something that uh, speaks to all of us. 
that there are times when God tells us to do something. In, you know, in that burning bush experience when Moses had that encounter with, with God, um, he was afraid. But not only was, it, was he afraid of the bush that was burning, <laughs> but he was mm-hmm. also afraid of what God asked of him. God wanted Moses to rescue the Israelites from Egypt. To overcome Moses' fear, though, God uh, recruited his brother Aaron to assist, promising to help them both. Moses rose to the challenge. Through the long story of the ten plagues and the Pharaoh's opposition, he led the Israelites out of Egypt. You can do it. We can do it. If God has asked us to do something, he will provide help for us in order to carry out his will for our lives. Um, we also find that Moses was close to God. He had a very good relationship with God. Uh, the job God called Moses to do was full of difficulties and challenges. Moses never hid his emotions and questions from God. They spent 40 days together on the top of Mount Sinai, and God gave Moses the two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. We find that in Exodus 31, verse 18. And finally, Moses was buried by God. And what's interesting about this death, that Moses really didn't have to die, but because of his disobedience, um, you know, God said to him, you're not going to see the promised land. Um, and I, I can only put myself in Moses' shoes to, you know, carry out everything that God had told me to carry out, but in a moment of anger, I, I disobeyed God, and God said, because of, you know, you not listening to me, you not obeying me, um, you're not going to see this thing through. Um, God was with Moses to the very end, burying him in secret. Moses lived to be 120 years old and was completely healthy. His eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone, and we find that in Deuteronomy 34, verse 7. The people grieved 30 days for him until God put a stop to it, instructing Joshua to take the leadership position. The very job Moses was called to do would ultimately cost him his life. And that's very instructive for us um, because sometimes the very job that God has called us to do, uh, we may not see it through, um, but he has called us to start a work, and that work will complete will continue even after uh, we, we die or after uh, we lose our life or whatever the case may be. He always has, um, you know, someone that is in the crosswinds um, to yep. take over and to carry on what God has uh, installed for us to do. Um, so at this time, we're going to turn it over to you, Sina Pastor. I know this was a bit lengthy, but I wanted to do a quick character profile on Moses. Um, so if you can uh, continue on with God delivers his people. And that was good, Pastor O, and I, I hope that they get a chance to see the movie or the video of Moses' life, especially, um, you know, taking the children across the Red Sea and um, when he went up to get the commandments and things like that. It's, 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 it's really you know, good to watch it, and I hope that if they can order it, that they get a chance to really, really see that. Sometimes they show it on, on um, the, the, the channel there, so 
listeners for it when when it's coming and also we we realized in previous lesson pastor all that we were told how God preserves his people amen and today we're dealing with God delivers his people so he's not he not only preserves his people but he delivers his people and it's a good lesson for us to know that whatever situation we're going through that God is our deliverer. God called to Moses, and we are dealing with Exodus 3 from verse 1 to verse 10. And I like how verse 7 starts, and the Lord said, the Lord said, whatever he says, and Jesus is written in the New Testament, is written in red, but, uh, and the Lord said, he is having a dialogue with Moses. I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. And we could pause at that and that's a whole another time for another message here. I know their sorrows. You have sorrows and you think that God don't know Yes, he knows everything. As a matter of fact, before the world was created, before you were conceived in your mother's womb, he knew that you were going to go through what you're going through. And that's what I like about God. Nothing catches him by surprise. For I know their sorrows. And Moses, and I am come to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptian. Now, you might have to go through some stuff, but it comes for deliverance. I come to deliver them out of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land onto a good land and a large, amen, a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Ittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Evites and Jebusites. Now therefore, nine, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Verse then, come now for, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, and boy, see that video that thou mayest bring forth people the children of Israel out of Egypt whatever we're going through is not going to last trouble only lasts for a while okay weeping joy for a night but joy comes the morning so um, before I go on I'd like to speak to those situations that you think unbearable I'd like to speak to Trauma that you I'd like to speak to your broken marriage, your broken your broken circumstances. And the Lord said, I will send unto Pharaoh. I will send thee unto Pharaoh. God has sent his words that thou mayest bring my people, children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, what we need to learn here is that Egypt 
was a great and powerful civilization. They had a prosperous economy. They had a mighty military. But descendants of Abraham, God, the Jewish people, were suffering the oppression of slavery. And nobody wants to go through slavery. And slavery started from during that time. Nothing new under the sun. But one of their own, their own person, Pat, if you're good outline that, Moses, who was tending sheep, his father-in-law's sheep on the backside of the desert. There, God spoke to him from a burning bush. And um, we could pause at that too because he saw the smoke and that caught his attention. And when he drew near, he realized that smoke was coming, but there was no fire in the bush. Um, California is on fire right now, but it wasn't like that. A lot of smoke was coming out. But God used various things to get our attention. He had his attention. And God spoke, identifying himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of verse 6, you'll see that. This indicates to us that God remembered covenant them. Whatever he says he will do, he will do. God who keep his promises. And he promised us that he's coming back for us and he's going to keep that promise. Now, the Hebrew slaves have felt abundant because tears mixing the matter and the cement and um, their work was hard. And they felt abandoned. Have you ever felt that way? That nobody cares for you? I was talking to somebody yesterday um, that was going through some stuff. And I said, oh, yeah, God never deserted you. He cares for you. Whatever we go through is a learned lesson. It's a process that will make us better. And when we go through, God gets from it. They were not abandoned. And if you feel abandoned this morning, I don't know, do you, nobody cares, and that you're on your own, all you have to do is look up. All you have to do is close your eyes and talk to God, and he will talk to you. Now, we find in verse 7 and 9 two things that got my attention. God says, verse 7, he heard his prayerful groanings. He heard his people. Are you praying about something and you think that God is not listening? He heard his people's prayerful groanings, which were expressions of hope in the promise of God. The people suffered oppression out. And what do you do when you have problems? Even if you're looking right, the man who is not serving when he has problem, the one of things either a bad word or something wrong, or he will cry out. But see the people on their sick bed, they are not saved. But when the pain rocked their body, they cry out, "God, Lord, help me!" God responded to their cries because he saw their person. He does not turn a deaf ear nor a blind eye. Human suffering. Every people are going through down here. 
some of it we cause ourselves, some is cause the sin too, but God does not turn a blind. And number two, God said, I know. So he heard, he said, I heard, and he says, I know. Nothing catches by surprise. Knew beforehand. Make a note that again. He knew beforehand, even the foundation of the world. Every possible alternative is well's destiny. I think God didn't know when he sent when he led them into into Egypt, you know. They didn't go by chance. Yes, they went to escape the famine, but the purpose he went down in the days of Joseph. He knew the Egyptians would enslave them, but he also knew the way out of Egypt and the promised land. They go through Egypt. They have to go through the spring in order to obtain promised land. We have to go through whatever we're going through down here in order to receive our promised land. So God, senior pastor, Moses, senior pastor. Yes, um, ju- just um, a, just a quick thing. Uh, your 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 line um, is kind of choppy, so I don't know if you need to reposition or or whatever. Um, that but it's, yeah, go ahead. So God called Moses, sent him on to Pharaoh. Pharaoh was a, he was the son of the God. Atom Ra. And here it is. And remember, Lord, when he was called, I came. Oh, Lord, I have stammering lips. And I can't go. And the Lord said, take care of that long time. So Moses stood before the mighty son of Atom Ra, a prophet, God of the Hebrew slaves. I don't know who God going to send or where he's going to send you. All you have to do is open and he will tell you what to say and he will tell you what to do. This was a confrontation between the God of Abraham and of Egypt. God sent nine plagues of me and each plague was an attack on the Egyptian deity. First plague, I'm trying to rush. First plague was Nile River, the birthplace of the gods that turned into a river of blood. Signifying the death of the gods. Then he the plague, plague of frogs, which was a curse against the Egyptians of fertility. Then he sent the plague of flies, flies, boils, hail, and locusts. And this attack against the Egyptian diet of earth. When so they were being from all because God controls the universe. It's not the devil. It's not evil that controls the universe. It's God. And God is in the four of the earth. And they were attacked. Man, the uh, grand, my say in Jamaica, say, him ramp God because God ramp too hot. I mean, make people stay there and play with his people. Plague of darkness was one, I think. Again, that was second to last. Demonstrate the impotence of each on God. The final plague of the firstborn attacked the very house of Aaron and endangered Egypt's prosperity. Throughout the story, Egypt's God remained unnamed. 
which signifying there at the lack of property. They were not God at all. They were not God at all. Can deliver. Yes, God delivers. When things hopeless, he reaches down his hand. He don't need any army. Many can just speak one word. We have been this over and over again. And here God revealed in verse 13, God reveals the divine nature. Moses said to God, Behold, who said he was afraid. Behold, when I am come the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, God of your fathers that sent me unto and they shall say to me, What is his name? What I say unto them? And God said to Moses, Tell them that I am, that I have as sent you. I said, Thou say unto the children of Israel, I have sent me unto you. And God said, Moreover, thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, that sent to you, This is my name forever, and this is my memorial, and to all generations. My today is, do you know the God that you're serving? Do you know his name? Have you experienced his power? You need to know him, that I may know him, said St. The power of his resurrection. Now, as I told you that Moses was rare in the house of Pharaoh. He took him as a young child in the basket that was drifting river and groomed him, perhaps to take over, perhaps to become a prince king. Um, and it simply means if he carried on. The training he got was he was to be dedicated to worship of the Egyptian god. Moses would have been from the religion ship, but he also knew the god of his mother. Him as a small child, a child, in the way he should go, that when he is old, he will not. Most opposed to that, he was opposed to what he did, but he also remembered how his mother taught him and how his mother worshipped. And sometimes we go away the training that we got at home. We need to return. We need to come back home and worship the king, king and the Lord's law. Moses encountered God in the burning bush at Mount Sinai. He had one primary question. Who are you? What is your name? God replied, I am Hosam. Amen. In the Hebrew language, it means Yahweh. I am Yahweh. In the older English version of God, is translated as Jehovah. Jehovah. So, I am that I am. Yahweh. Jehovah means the same. Lord. Means the same thing. His name is divine. The divine name Yahweh signifies God is self-sufficient. Yahweh is the self-sufficient one or the self-existent one. Whereas the God of Egypt emerged from 
prevail comes of the narrow. Yahweh is eternal, self-contained, before the time and space, before light and dark, earth and the heavens. Se- senior pastor, yes, senior pastor, sorry again. Uh, you may need to uh, reposition um, your your line. It's it's getting, it's actually getting worse. Um, kind of getting choppy. Not quite sure why. And the Wi-Fi going in and out. Okay. Any better? Yeah. Amen. All right. Prayer to more confronting. The God of Abraham was known to be Egypt. However, yeah, it, 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 your your chop your choppy right now. I don't know what's happening to the phone today. Yeah. All right. You want to take up from there? Let me see if I can correct that. Yeah, go go ahead. Um, The the Passover um, was actually a new beginning. Yeah, the Passover was actually a new beginning uh, for the children of Israel. Um, uh, We find that in Exodus 12, verse 23 through 25. Um, Verse 23 uh, says, For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel, and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. Verse 24, and ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when ye be come to the land which the Lord will give you according as he hath promised, that ye shall keep this service. Now, the Passover signified a new beginning for the people of Israel. Passover was the final judgment plague against Egypt. And it signified the climactic act of Yahweh's deliverance of Israel. Yahweh passed through the land of Egypt as destroyer and passed over the homes of Israelites as savior. And um, the name Yahweh uh, is, is just basically meaning the God of the Israelites. Um, there are some other meanings, um, especially uh, in, you know, in ancient um, history. Uh, it was interpreted as he who makes that which has been made or he who brings into existence whatever exists. So according to ancient history, um, he was the God of the Israelites. Um, The name was revealed to Moses as four Hebrew consonants, Y-H-W-H, Y-H-W-H. Now the gods of Egypt were powerless to protect children of Egypt from the judgment of Yahweh. The Passover signified Egypt's defeat, Israel's redemption, and Yahweh's victory. Amen. That's important. The Passover signified Egypt's defeat, Israel's redemption, and Yahweh's victory. And in Exodus 12, verse 26 through 27, and chapter 50 through 51, 
Um, I'm going to read a, a few excerpts of those verses, um, which indicates Christ, who is our Passover. And it says, And it shall come to pass, when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye be by the service? That ye shall say to your children, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses, and the people bowed the head and worshipped. Thus did all the children of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. And it came to pass the selfsame day that the Lord did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. What a wonderful account, right? The Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies, brought them out of slavery, brought them out of the hand of Egypt. Um, now we're going to look at how the covenant was established. After departing Egypt, the Israelites camped at the shores of the Red Sea, and we all know about the, the story of the Red Sea. The Egyptian pharaoh and his armies pursued the Israelites, but God parted the seas and made a way of escape for the Israelites. The Egyptian army perished in the waters of the Red Sea. And that says to us that God's uh, providence, God, God is a God of his word. And whatever he said he'll do, he'll do. He had promised Moses, um, he had promised Aaron, he had promised the children of Israel that I would be with you. I am, I am, I am. Who sent, who sent you? I am. And I that's am. Who, that's who God is to us. He is. He is everything. He engulfs everything in our life. Um, the, the, the very thing that we fear the most um, may come upon us but he is going to be with us, right? The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Anything to add, Senior Pastor? Well, well, two things there, Pastor, and I hope it's better. I had to turn off my phone for a little bit and turn it back on. But two okay. things. Um, in verse 26, there were you and 27, and I note at the end of that when Moses said to them, um, it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you what mean ye by this service that the people bow their head and worship. Very important. Amen. They were saying yes to God and they were worshiping God for his deliverance. And also in the part that says that the um, kingdom of priests, um, it was then we were taught in Bible school that they became the church in the wilderness, or they became the church, yes, the church in the wilderness, because when it was said to them, now therefore, verse 5 of Exodus 19, yes. if he will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then he shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. Myself and Brother Andy was talking about that yesterday. We are a peculiar people, royal priesthood, holy nation. And uh, there is nobody else like you. You are peculiar to everybody else. We are not like the world. So we need to take a note of that. All right, carry on, Pastor. 
and and that's you know uh, it's nice that you brought that up actually because I think um, in the early church uh, and we can even go back as far as here with the children of Israel we find that the the church was always the one that led the world Amen. Um, and Amen. they were always very peculiar uh, they were very careful as you would always say to make sure that nothing would taint the word of God. Um, but we find now, especially in our culture now, where the world is leading the church, we have lost yeah. that, you know, the seat at the table as commander um, yeah. of what is happening in the world. And uh, it's, it's unfortunate, and we, and we see this. I think it's because our relationship with God is not where it is supposed to be. And um, I think the Holy the Spirit is trying to call us back, Pastor O. I think that's what Amen. he has been trying to do. He's calling us back to a vital relationship with God that's and right. to be the church that he wants it to be because he will not come back until the church is ready for him. His bride must be ready. You don't Amen. go to a, to, to a wedding and the bride not dressed up and ready. You can't have a wedding. The church is the bride of Christ and the church needs to be ready. And there's a number of things that we need to do. And I know we like to point fingers at the ministers. The minister's not doing that. We need to get ourselves ready. We need to obey. Even in that same chapter there, verse 6, he said, And he shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. And these are the words that thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And when Moses came... And he called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all of these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the all Lord that has Lord. spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord, and they became the church into the wilderness. The church in the wilderness that now we are piggybacking after. We need to Pay attention to what Scripture is saying. He wants us to be a holy people, an holy nation. We can't walk like anybody else. We can't talk like anybody else. We can't behave like everybody else. We must be different. We can't even dress like them. We must be different. The Lord is calling us to be different. And if you don't take anything else away from this lesson today, the Lord is calling you to be different. Stop all that we're doing that is worldly and be children of God. And I'm speaking to all of us, all of us. But so many things seem to be creeping in now. I, I listen to so many people swearing and cursing. Uh, where we get that from? That's not biblical at all. That's right. We need to change and be the church of God. And that's a that's a, a prerequisite um, or a precursor to Deuteronomy seven verse six through eight. It says, "For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. Thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto Himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set His love upon you." nor choose you because ye were more in number than any people. 
for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And basically what he's saying is that you weren't, you weren't any different from anybody else. Um, right. You were not powerful. You were not wealthy. Um, in fact, you were a mixed multitude of slaves. Yeah. Right? But the least of all peoples whom God set his love on, that's who you were. It is because of God's love why we are here. We are not rich. We are not any different than anybody else. But for whatever reason, God has called us. God has delivered us. God has set us free from sin. Um, and all we have to do is come unto him. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, there are so many things that we can grasp from this lesson, um, but one of the main things is that regardless of who you are, God loves you, and it doesn't require you to be rich. It doesn't require you to be uh, popular, uh, to have a great name. Um, you could be the least of the people that you are uh, surrounding yourself with. You know, you may not have um, the best car. You may not have the, the nicest house. It, it has nothing to do with that. Uh, God looks beyond who we are, and he calls us into his loving arms, and he gives us purpose, gives us status, so that we can now be called the children of God. Um, uh, just to kind of hurry it here, it says the redemption language of the Old Testament is used throughout the New Testament to speak of the church as a new Israel. The Apostle Peter used the terms from Exodus 19 to define the church as a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people found in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. The apostles often referred to the church as the elect of God. The Apostle Paul appropriated the language of predestination and election to speak of the church. In Revelation, the church is a priestly kingdom comprised of many nations. Just as the Israel of the Old Testament comprised a mixed multitude who embraced the promise of Yahweh, the New Testament church is comprised of a mixed multitude of Jews and Gentiles who embraced the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So it's not going to be just Jamaicans. We talked about this um, a couple times. It's not going to be just Jamaicans. It's not going to be just Americans. It's not going to be just Chinese. Or, you know, it's not just one group or one sect of people. It's going to be um, nations, not nation, nations, um, plural. Uh, so, you know, we need to kind of look at our brothers and sisters in the faith and embrace each other with love and compassion because we are all striving for the same goal, and that's to make it into heaven. Israel's uh, inheritance affirmed and realized. Senior Pastor. Amen. And um, Moses led Israel to Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, they became a holy nation. Then he led the people through the wilderness, towards the promised land. And as Pastor O told you, 
he didn't make it to the promised land because the people caused him to lose his way by when God told him to speak to the rock. Um, he struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. And it was the pressure of people that caused him to do that. And that's why sometimes we're very careful, you know. Um, people will cause you to do some things. We have to listen to God constantly. All the ministers who are listening constantly have to listen to God. And it has become worse now. We, we were talking yesterday, and we said in, in Jamaica when we were young Christians growing up, and if they tell you to jump, you would jump. Perhaps the only question you would ask, oh, hi. Now, there is a different, we live in a different era now. And if you tell people to jump, they're going to question you as to why we need to, to do that. So he didn't make it to the promised land. The, the journey we found here would take 40 years and was fraught with peril because of the stubborn unbelief of the people. Oh, man, Moses went through so much. They complain soon as them come out of slavery and them reach the Red Sea and them see the Red Sea, they became afraid and start to complain and told Moses that it would have been better for them to stay in Egypt, although they were complaining to get out. That's how people are. They forget, you know. And um, throughout that time, he had trouble with them when they dictate to him. He had trouble when he went up to get the Ten Commandments. They gave him all kind of problems. Um, and we found out because of unbelief, they didn't believe God. They didn't believe in their leader. That generation perished in the wilderness. Um, and the one time, he had to put up a serpent because God struck them. And he had to put up a serpent and told them if they look on the serpent that they would be ill. And some people didn't look at all. They were so mad with Moses that they didn't know that God was trying to get their attention and to heal them. And a lot of them died and a new generation came out. Of course, some were still there. So what did they receive and what will be our inheritance? Promise, blessings legacy promise blessings legacy and the legacy is that they would obtain the promised land they were to um, receive the promise inheritance because god does not go back on his promise now the bible here says after the death of moses that um it came to pass that the lord spake unto joshua and Joshua would now take the mantle, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I give thee, even to the children of Israel. And every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. And there shall not any man be able to stand before thee, all the days of thy life. And as he said to Joshua, who was now taking the mantle from Moses, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee, only be strong and of good courage. For unto this people 
shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear to their fathers to give them. And um, Israel still having trouble to this day. They're still having trouble. People fighting them for what the Lord give them. Um, so God would choose a new prophet for a new generation. <laughs> God would choose a new prophet for a new generation. There's coming a time. I'm getting off the scene. Don't know when. And Pastor Ho will take the button. And after that, he will pass the mantle to somebody else. God will raise up people. Just as God called Moses to shepherd Israel out of Egypt, he called Joshua to shepherd Israel into the promised land. Um, God chose Joshua. Why? Because he was a man in whom is the spirit. Um, the task before Joshua was fought with peril. They give him trouble too. Warlike people with strong walls, cities, populated Canaan. Yahweh promised Joshua, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And God is faithful. God took him through and he led them onto the promised land. And God is faithful. Generation after generation. Yahweh, God's exhortation to Joshua, be strong and have a good courage. And I say the same thing to you today, Pastor O, and to all the other ministers who are listening, and any pastor listening, be strong and have a good courage. It could be leaders to women, director, youth directors, you know, children's director, whatever role you play, only be thou strong and have a good courage. I can tell you today that Yahweh, your God is with you. Whatever circumstances, he is with you. Yes, he is with you in every situation. He'll give you peace. He'll give you joy. He will not leave you. No, sir. He will stand with you, whatever your situation might be. Just be faithful. Just be true to God. Just keep his promise and he will see you to whether it be financial, whether it be sickness, whatever situation, God will see you through. Remember that throughout this lesson, whatever you're going through, God is making you, and he will take care of you, and he will be there with you. Blessed, blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Um, and he will be there with you. All right. Remembering the covenant, Pastor Ho, Remembering the covenant. You can take us to the end. And, and that's one of the things that I, I believe that speaks to us right now is that we should remember the covenant that God made with his people. Um, in Joshua 24, verse 1, and 13 through 15, um, it says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Sheshem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God, which is something that we should always do, present ourselves before God. Um, and I have given you a land for which ye did not labor. labor. <laughs> Didn't and cities which ye built not, cities you didn't build, right? And land that you didn't labor for. 
and ye dwell in them. Of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted, not do ye eat. Hmm. Now therefore fear the Lord and yes, serve sir. him in sincerity and in truth and put okay. away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, then you know what? Choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your, for, which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood are the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we, we will. will serve the Lord. Oh, okay. And that's just a bookend to a beautiful lesson. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua was here saying, look at what, you know, did the gods of your forefathers, did, the, did those idols that they worshipped, did they do anything for you? No. They didn't do anything for you. But look what our God did. Look what Yahweh did. Right? You are now in a land that you didn't labor for. Right? You're in cities that you didn't build. And you dwell in them. Right? Hmm. Rent free. You didn't have to pay anything for it. I gave this land to you. Right? The vineyards and the olive yards. You're eating. Right? You're having uh, great prosperity. Yes. And you didn't do anything to deserve it. And I think that speaks to us. We're living good lives. Right? We have houses and cars and decent jobs and so forth and so on. We're able to go to a refrigerator and we're able to pick out different things to eat. You know? And yes, we worked for it. But if it wasn't for God on our side, where would we be? Right? There are things that we have experienced in our life, various blessings that we have experienced in our life, that if it, if it had not been for God, things would not have worked out the way they have worked out. And I think sometimes we think we, we did it. I built that. I was the one that, you know, worked all these hours for it. Yeah, but who gave you the strength to? Who gave you favor? in order to, you know, do whatever you needed to do and, you know, put things together and, you know, be able to even work that overtime in order to accomplish what you have today. It was God. And I think we sometimes forget, but this lesson is telling us to remember who has given us um, what we have today. Uh, the people of Israel cannot serve Yahweh with a divided allegiance, and we cannot no. serve God with a divided allegiance. We can't pledge our allegiance to something else and still be loyal to God. We can't pledge our allegiance to, you know, the things of this world and pledge our allegiance to God. We have to pledge our allegiance to God. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. And yes. that's where our allegiance should be. We must pledge allegiance to God. Um, Yahweh must be served in sincerity and truth. And that's where 
uh, I think we are lacking, and we need to ask God for uh, to forgive us because we need to serve him in sincerity and truth. Um, and we see that about 4,000 years have passed since God first called Abraham. And it's a beautiful story of how from Genesis 10 on, how God said, I'm going to make a great nation out of your little family. It was just basically a family of three. You know, not, not counting uh, the handmaid and, and, and not counting Ishmael, but it was just a basic family of three. They were old, and God said, I'm going to make out of your little family a great nation and great held his promise. God's promise to Abraham remains valid today because God is faithful through a thousand generations. His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. Psalm 118. Throughout the millennia, God's people have faced many obstacles and enemies, many trials and tribulations. Even so, the promise still endures. That which God has predestined, the redemption of the cosmos, will be fulfilled. There is coming a time when all that God has said will be fulfilled. The people of faith will inherit a new heaven and a new earth earth. And that's what we're striving for, a new heaven and a new earth. What a beautiful lesson to remind us to remember the covenant. Remember the covenant. Remember the promise of God over your life. Remember what he has said. Don't deviate. Don't turn away. Don't walk away from what he has promised you. Don't walk away from what he has called you to do. You know, your job is not the end. Um, God has so much more for you, right? Your your marriage is not the end. God has so much more for you. Your children is not the end. We talked about legacy and generational curse last week. This is not the end. What you are living now is not the end. He has so much more, but we have to tap into what he has called us to do and move forward in faith and strength, believing what he has said, and he will not disappoint you. I assure you, I promise you, he will not disappoint you. The very same God who delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt is the very same God that can deliver you. But you have to remember what he said. Read the word of God. Learn it. Understand it. And he will bring to pass that which he has said for your life. Senior Pastor. Yes, and two things. Um, Jim Sibala, I don't know, I think he's the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. Yes, he is. Brooklyn Tabernacle. Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. He says, we urgently need people who encourage and inspire us to move towards God and away from the world's enticing pleasure. We need people who inspire us. Be careful of the company that you're keeping. Be careful of who you move with. If they are not standing up for God, if they're not giving you inspiration to go higher in God, you need to get out of that group and get out of that company and stay away because worldly people only have things of the world to offer. To offer, what to enjoy in the world are worldly pleasures. Um, 
worldly pleasures all forgotten, all forsaken, you know, and hold on to Jesus. And then um, it says, the people of faith will inherit a new heaven and a new earth. And what a beautiful way to end off. The people of faith, not the people of the earth, but the people of faith, those who trust in God, those who stand up for God, those who accept him as their Lord and Savior, will inherit a new heaven and a new earth. And that's what he, he promised. He says, before my word pass, heaven and earth shall heaven pass away. But he promises a new heaven and a new earth, which in wherein dwelleth righteousness. So we praise the Lord today for this beautiful, beautiful lesson. And there are many bullet points that you can take away from that. But encourage and inspire one another to move towards God and away from the worldly enticing pleasures. You see what's happening in the world. Everything is happening to draw you away from God. Stick with them, my friends. Stick with them. Stick with them. There might be people at work who is trying to discourage you and questioning your Christian faith. Stick with God. Stick with the people of God. Some, some people don't like to be with church people. They like to be with the worldly and people. What, what, what the psalm says, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. May the Lord bless us today as we go through this time. And I hope it will be a beautiful day for you as you reminisce on these words that was given today. Bless you, Pastor Ho, for the anointing and the inspiration. God is dealing with his people, and he wants us to have a vital relationship with him. Amen, amen. Can you just uh, pray for us, Senior Pastor? There is, um, you know, there may be somebody that's listening, um, and, you know, they're kind of, torn between uh, two opinions. Um, they are struggling. They're going through, uh, you know, some issue, some circumstance, some problem, and we just want to pray for them that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart um, be acceptable um, and that they will have gotten something from what was said today. Uh, because, you know, as you said, there are so many things that entice us in this world, and they're at a crossroads in their life. You know, should I do this? Should I do that? Should I just walk away from this? Should I just walk away from that? And I think uh, maybe, you know, this lesson came at the right time uh, for them to hear so that they can make their mind up, but you know, again, the struggle is real, and they're there, and they're saying, God, what should I do? Uh, if you can, just pray for them that God will make their way clear um, and that they will be able to see through all the obstacles and the issues that they may face and the decisions that they may have to make um, that may be unpopular, um, that God will just be with them, if you can't see yes. that, and um, we also need to let them know, if you walk away from God, you're walking in the hands of the devil. 
because it's only two, it's two people, two roads before you, hell or heaven, God or the devil. And if you walk away from church, what are you going to? You're going back into the world with all the mess and everything. Yes, and the church is not perfect. You know, we, we still have a ways to go. But we all make up the church. We all make up the church. The church is made up of flesh and blood members united by covenant. So the church is not the pastor. The church is not the deacon. The church is not the department leaders. The church is all of us, flesh and blood members, united together by covenant. We all make up the church, which is the body of Christ. We may wear a part of the bridal party okay so um i like for you to consider all of these things and let us pray I'd like for everybody to bow your heads close your eyes if you can and we can't hold hands together because we're not with each other but we lift our thoughts and our minds to heaven and our eyes to heaven oh god we praise your name this morning david said i will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, who is the maker of heaven and earth. We thank thee today for this beautiful, beautiful lesson. Oh God, how you deliver your people. You preserve and you are the great deliverer. And we thank thee, Lord, for your people were in bondage and slavery. But, oh, through Moses, you delivered them miraculously. And you are the same God today. We're not different from Israel in Egypt. Oh, God, we are in this world, but we are not a part of the world. We do have trials and tribulation and crosses to bear. But, oh, God, you stand ready to help us. You stand ready to give a helping hand. And so we ask today, as your people go through various situations and circumstances, or things that come to steal our joy and take our testimony away. But, oh God, we are holding on to you today. We are holding on to your unchanging hand. We are clinging ever so close to you because we realize that the devil is walking to and fro the earth seeking whom he may devour. But, O oh God, we ask that you will keep that which we have committed unto you against that day. Thank thee for your saving grace. Thank you for your keeping mercies, O oh God, and your grace that has been extended to us, not that we deserve it, but we are so grateful, Lord, that you can have us and help us and save us to have changed lives. Our lives have been changed, O oh God. And we pray that you will help us to keep our vessels clean before you, to keep our testimony, to keep our eyes on you and not the pleasures of this world. Because the only thing that the world has to offer is sin, shame, and disgrace. But you have eternal life. Oh God. Peter said to whom shall we go. When thou hast the word 
of eternal life. Oh God, and we look up to heaven today. Oh God, help us to make the right choice. Oh, help us to say as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we pray for those in our household, in our families, that are not yet saved. Oh God, somebody remarked yesterday that when the rich man found himself in hell, he cried out to Father Abraham to send Lazarus to dip his finger in water. Oh God, to quench his thirst. When he was denied because it was too late, he asked that his message be sent to his family members not to come down to hell for it was too hot. Help us, Lord, that we will so live to see your face. We pray for those who are not saved today that they will have an experience, they will have an encounter with you that they will surrender their lives to thee. They will cry out all to Jesus. I surrender all to him. I fully give. We pray that they will give you their lives today. And for those of us who know you, Lord, and we have been struggling, struggling along the busy highway, oh God, we pray that you will come alongside us today and give us a helping hand. We truly want to see your face. We want to be in heaven with you. We want to receive that promise, that inheritance that you have promised to us. And as seed of Abraham, as children of Abraham, we really, really want to see the end of our Christian race where we shall receive a just recompense of reward. Hear us today. Bless those of us who are ministers who have to minister the word. We have our own trials and temptation. We have our own situation that we face as well. But, O oh God, as you helped Moses when the children were stiff naked, as you helped Joshua, O oh God, to go through, pray that you will help us to go through as well, that our labor will not be in vain in the Lord. We truly thank thee today. And anything we fail to ask for you today, we ask that you will fail not to grant it unto us, because we ask in faith believing. Oh God, and we pray today that you will seal your people for your kingdom. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray for our political leaders again. Oh God, we are in the midst of an election campaign that is going on. And oh God, darts are flying right, left, and center. And counter punches are going from left and right. But in the name of Jesus, we pray today that you will intervene. Help us to make the right choice. Oh, God, we pray that you will have mercy today and touch by your Holy Spirit. Remember all our children, some in school, some virtual. But we pray that you will help each and every one today. Help the parents, help the mothers, help the fathers. Oh, God, and we pray that you will protect us, that you will keep us in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord 
and our soon to come King of Kings. We say Amen and Amen. Praise the Lord.